0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, we're in the book of James, and I love love being in a book like this because you could skip passages that are tough, or you could drill down and unpack them. And so we're going to do that today. Uh, We're talking about being wise or otherwise. That's clever, isn't it? Wise or otherwise, and James is going to talk to us about wisdom. Would you say it with me? Wisdom? Wisdom. 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 Yeah. You know, uh, previous generations were desirous of more information, more knowledge. But information and knowledge doesn't equal wisdom. If you've got notes, you'll want to write this down. Uh, One of the greatest definitions I've ever found for wisdom, wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. And I know lots of people that know lots of stuff about lots of stuff. They're smart, but they're not wise. Have you ever met anybody like that? They could, you know, they, they they might know calculus or trigonometry, they might know how to write code on computers, they might even know how to launch rockets. And when it comes to being smart or wise in that particular field, they are. When it comes to street smarts or, more importantly, spiritual smarts or life smarts, they might not be very wise at all. It was a few years back that I read this incoming speech to the incoming class, the freshman class at Yale, and it was President Yale William Willimon who said these words, We cannot supply you with a philosophy of education any more than we can supply you with a philosophy of life. That has got to come from you, from your own active learning, your own choices, your own decisions. Think for yourself. Now when it comes to history, if you say Columbus discovered America in 1805, we'll impose our beliefs on you because we believe there's knowledge about that. And when it comes to physics, if you say E equals MC cubed, we will impose our beliefs on you because we believe there's knowledge there too. When it comes to values and wisdom, goodness, what is right, good luck. Think for yourself, he went on to say. He said the university has absolutely no clue what you're supposed to be doing here. We have a smorgasbord of courses We have a great buffet line of faculty, and whether that adds up to something called wisdom by the time you graduate, we have no idea. Think for yourself. Now, now Willimon is an ordained bishop in the Methodist denomination, and he's a great preacher, but what he's saying is really true. You can have all the education, you can have a smorgasbord of classes, you can have a plethora of of great educators. You can know everything there is to know if that would be possible, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna be wise. And James is telling us wisdom is to be a part of our faith. If our faith is going to work, if we're going to obey the word, faith without works is dead. And if we hear the word and don't do it, you know, we deny ourselves really the value of life and the value of, of the scripture itself. So as you're in uh, James, if you want to go to James 3, I'm just going to read you from Proverbs 3, 13 to 15. Happy is the man, or happy is the person who finds wisdom, and the man or the person who gets understanding. Wisdom and understanding. For her benefit is more profitable than silver, and her gain than fine gold, she's more precious than rubies, and all the things that you may desire cannot be compared with her. I love this. It was Solomon who was asked by God, what do you want, Solomon? And Solomon says this, and boy, this is great for all our educators in the house, give me a wise and discerning heart because I want to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. I want to lead these people well. Solomon being a king says, I want to lead people well. I need wisdom. I need the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. I want to have wisdom abound in my life. Now, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard me talk about the difference between wisdom and experience. Uh, years ago, I had the privilege of uh, speaking to uh, the training group on the base, the missile group, and the colonel had this commander's call, and all these airmen gathered in this hall. And he said, You get three minutes. That was a miracle. And I went two and a half. That was a double miracle. And I looked out at these young faces. These were people who were learning how to launch missiles, how to turn the keys when the president gave them the order. Think about that. And so I got up and I said, oh, by the way, they briefed me. You can't use the Bible. You can't say Jesus. If you say God, be careful. And I said, history records that there was a man named Solomon. Solomon. He was a king. Look it up in your history book. And he tells us to get wisdom. So you don't have enough time. This is what I, exactly what I told him. You don't have enough time or body parts to get experience. When somebody says, I need to go out there and I want to sow my wild oats. I want to experience the world. I, you don't have enough time and body parts to experience everything there is. I said, now, when they skydive at Skydive Santa Barbara, you know, and they jump out of a perfectly good airplane. My wife did that. I watched her. I said, that's great, Debbie. God bless you. (laughs) She was in one tandem parachute next to my daughter-in-law and another one. And my son and I said, isn't that great? We terra firma right here, you know. But see, I don't need to jump out of that plane to understand the law of gravity, right? I can just throw my keys up or watch the falling parachute and go, law of gravity, it works. I don't have time for that. I don't need to run into this wall at full speed to know that the wall is hard and my nose is not. What I need to do is gain wisdom from the experiences of others. So I told those young airmen, I said, hey, watch people who are leading well. Watch people who are making wise choices. Watch people that you can emulate in your life. But watch those who have fallen off the cliff or been court-martialed or those who have been kicked out of the Air Force for bad behavior. And don't do what they did. But watch those who have done great things in front of you and do what they did. And then I said a couple other things, put some sauce, preacher sauce on it, and I I sat down the colonel goes, good, two and a half minutes, good, good job, good job. You know, by the way, That's a powerful message. We can learn from the experiences of others. And whatever field you're in, whatever uh, passions you have, learn from other people. Be teachable. That's part of wisdom. Um, I'm always talking to pastors, and most of the pastors I'm talking to are pastors that are far ahead of where I am. They've, they've, They've done it longer than I have. They do it far better than I do it. They're better leaders than I am, and they've got larger churches that are influencing the community, greater than we are. I would be a fool to say, well, I'm just going to get with all the pastors who, who are smaller and never do more and never do anything in their community, because that's not who we are. And just whatever you're doing, uh, if you're newly married or you're under 10 years in marriage, go hang out with people who are married 15 years or more. Just learn from them. See, that's, that's where you get wisdom. You garner it from people who had experience. And you don't need to make the same falls or failures that they make, but you need to learn from other people. See, wisdom is revealed in your notes in what we show, not just in what we know. James 3 says that. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them, what? Show it by their, watch this, their, their good life. By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. This is interesting. Knowledge can puff up if we're not careful. But real wisdom causes us to be humble. And some of the wisest people I know are people that are very humble. And I think this question that James asks us is important. If we want faith to work in our lives, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, I don't think any of us who believe we're wise would raise our hands and say, We're wise, come over here, you know. Have a booth out front, all the wise people come meet us, meet the wise guys, you know. And sometimes wise guys are wise guys, aren't they? Come on. But do you know who's wise among you? Do you know where you would go if you need some wisdom from somebody who you would trust? I think one of the criteria would be how they live their life. Their lives, a good life, by deeds done in humility that come from, from wisdom. So the first thing I just want you to see is we're going to unpack this a little bit. Wisdom is demonstrated. It's demonstrated. It's something that you see, and wisdom is demonstrated by our actions. You'll see it. Now, we probably all know people that live a little bit on the unwise side, right? They make the same mistakes over and over again. Again, they're always falling into financial ruin, or maybe relational ruin, or maybe educational ruin. They they start, uh, you know, school and they don't finish it. I, I had the privilege yesterday walking around at the at the car show for a minute, and uh, we were there serving. I just walked away for a minute, and uh, some of the girls from Lompoc High were there, the, the softball team, and they were selling 50/50 tickets and they were selling sodas. So now I'm talking to two of the girls. I know both of these two girls and having a conversation. Now two of their friends show up, and then another one shows up. You know, I got five young gals there, sophomore, uh, two juniors, two seniors. And I'm just going, man, this is kind of cool. I got a captive audience. An old guy gets to talk to these young up-and-coming people. And I said, so what are you going to do for college? And one girl says, I don't have a clue. I go, you know, Hancock's free the first year. Another girl goes, Oh, no way, no way. I'm going to a four a year, man. I said, Are you going to get a scholarship? No, my parents are going to pay. I said, Wow, that's great. Hancock's free your first year, I said. <laughs> They're talking about maybe having it free your second year. Wow. She goes, well, 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 why would I want to do that? I said, Well, if it's free your first year, you could tell your parents. To pay for three years and take the year they would have spent on the first year and put it on the end so when you graduate, you'll have a little money under you. Whoa. Now she was listening. <laughs> See? My wisdom was coming. My financial wisdom was come. And this one senior, you know what she said? Oh, I have three friends of mine. They went away to four-year, and um, they're back. They couldn't handle it. One of them got in trouble. I said, really? Tell me about it. And so she told I me. Mean, that's all I said to tell you about it. she told me everything. I you know TMI man. I had more information than I wanted. And I said, "What wow, what 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 happened?" And then guess what I said to them? You you you'll chuckle at this. I said, "Hey, you can become wise. Learn from the experience of that story. Cuz when you leave, you leave Lampo, you leave your parents, your guardians, moorings, and guardrails in your life, you're on your own. Whoo! 1.30 in the morning, your parents don't know if you're out or not. Yet 1.30 in the morning, they know if you're in bed or not, right? Most good parents and guardians do. Am I, am I right? I hope I'm right. Yeah. When my son was living at home, I knew exactly when he was gone and exactly when he came in. Brian, it's 11 o'clock. What are you doing? Oh, I told you I'd be home before midnight. I know it's 11. You're home an hour early, but you know... I, all, and whenever he walked in, I, just, I knew when he was there. Do you guys know when your kids are coming in? Okay. No, we're asleep. We don't know. Oh. I had one eye open. One, okay. Just telling you. Remember, I hang out with the police. So I have one eye open, one eye asleep. Yeah, right. That's right. But the heart of that was talking with these young kids and just listening to the difference of what they were saying and what they wanted in life. But then, catch this. But one girl said, Yeah, but my friend did, and my friend and experience will get you wisdom. Same if you're about to retire. Talk to somebody who's already retired. Talk to what they've been through. Talk to the price of health care. Okay, moving on. <laughs> See, there are two kinds there are two kinds of wisdom there's worldly wisdom, and there's godly wisdom. James 3.14 again says, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. And here's the problem. There are people who know, they have knowledge, they, they know stuff, but they deny the, the, the truth. And what is, what is denying the truth? Well, number two, it says denying worldly, uh, deny worldly wisdom. That's our call, to deny it. Understand that James is not talking about people, catch this, he's not talking about people who don't have God, and yet they know how to launch rockets. They don't have God, and and, and they they are able to accomplish lots of things. He's talking about people who can accomplish lots of things, but the one thing they do, and here's where they become unwise, they deny truth. And what is truth? Truth. They deny the truth that God is God. And there is one God. At the ultimate end of wisdom is God himself. He is the all-wise, immortal, invincible. And see, worldly wisdom is motivated by selfishness. He says in verse 14 again, If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And whenever we make ourselves to be greater than we are, or whenever anybody says, I don't need God, they've just become unwise. Let me summarize it. Whenever time anybody says, I don't need God, they've just moved from the wise category to the unwise category. Or if they're wise in the world's eyes, and they're bitter, and they have envy, Um, Like John MacArthur says, a professed Christian who is proud, boasting, self-centered, loveless, and arrogant is a fraud. I didn't write that. He did. So if you don't like it, call John MacArthur, okay? But then we go to Philippians 2, real quick. Verse 3 and 7. Paul the Apostle talks to us about, I think, this heart of wisdom. He looks at Jesus Christ... And he said, this is amazing. Jesus leaves heaven. He's lower than the angel. He comes in human form. And he says, don't let, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more, what? Significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he what? He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is what wisdom is. You want to see how wisdom operates, how it's not arrogant, how it's not self-serving. You just look at Jesus and how he's characterized by the apostle Paul here. But notice what worldly wisdom is characterized by. It's characterized by evil. Now, this is really bold. I mean, this is just James saying, come on, guys, I want you to make sure you understand this. In verse 15, he says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, like Philippians 2 speaks of Jesus coming down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, and if you don't think James is hitting the nail on the head, it's demonic, Is that a powerful word? Well, sure it is. Now, James is going to give us three characteristics of worldly wisdom. The first is that it's earthly. It's of the world. It promotes a perspective, and you've all seen it and heard it. It's all about me. I get all that I can get, and I get it now because you only live once. That's earthly perspective. That's earthly wisdom. It's my way or the... Highway, yeah. Do whatever you need to do to take advantage of others. Manipulate people. It's my rights can supersede your rights. That's a whole nother sermon. And look out for number one. It's all about this. My spot, my life, my time. And there's no eternal perspective. And you can talk to people who don't even want to talk about eternity. You can talk to people who are very wise and who will say to you, well, listen, I'm not even thinking about God, and I'm not even worried about that. I'm not even considering that right now at all. Genesis 11, verse 4. Do anybody remember the Tower of Babel? Who remembers the Tower of Babel? What happened at the Tower of Babel? They all started babbling at the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that? But here's what their prayer was, and they said, come let us, let's read it, build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to heavens. Now, that's not our prayer, right? So that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. Now, here was what they wanted to do. They wanted to build this tower. I always had this picture of God looking down, watching them build this tower, you know, looks like Slick 4 or Slick 6, right? Just a little tower. And God's looking down and saying, <laughs> you guys think you're going to build the stairway to heaven? This little spiral staircase? You know? I mean, how tall was it? Five stories. Do you know the hotel next to the um, Montpulgain and Suites next to the airport? That's four stories with a little bit, it's just a little taller than that right across from yoga creation. Woo! We're not talking Empire State Building. We're not talking that big tower in Dubai that goes up forever through the clouds. We're talking this little like five-story nothing tower. Come on. And they were all, look at us. We're so incredible. And God's looking down and saying uh, to the angels, you guys see that little speck down there? Yeah. What is that? They think they're going to reach us. And God said, I know what I'll do with what you think is wisdom. I'll confuse you. And all the people that were speaking German one day were now speaking Italian. The Italians were speaking Portuguese. Uh And the other were speaking English. And some were speaking Spanish. Hey, come over here. I don't understand you. What are you talking about? Everybody was confused. You know, I think that's a great picture. When we try to be like God, we try to take over heaven, we try to supersede God's wisdom, we try to pretend we're all that, guess what happens? We get confused. We do. We just get confused. And then it's like, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what direction I should take. Why? Because worldly wisdom, number two, is unspiritual. It's of the flesh. It's faith that leads to true wisdom. It is wisdom that flows as a gift out of faith, and it's wisdom that flows out of our time that we spend in the book of wisdom, called the B-I-B-L-E. But then he goes on to say, and this is again bold, it's demonic. It has its roots in the devil. I thought, wow. See, James makes a shocking but true claim. The source of worldly wisdom is Satan himself. Now you have to understand, again, I'm not talking about scientists who are trying to discover cures for diseases that may not know God. But we're talking about anything that runs counter to the wisdom of God, the way we treat each other, the way that we're to love our our, our fellow brothers and sisters around us. But ultimately, Demonic wisdom says you don't need God, and that's where the intersection happens. Are we going to surrender ourselves to God, believing there's a God, or are like Jesus in John 8 speaks about this demonic one. He says, you belong to your father. He's telling people that you belong to the devil. I mean, that's pretty powerful. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue or his native language. For he's a liar. That's all he knows to do. And the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't want to believe in in me. We saw it last week when we talked about the power of the tongue, how the serpent comes into the garden and, and speaks to the woman and deceives her, and how Adam believed her, and how just by that word of the liar himself, see, that, that serpent is a picture of, of demonic force who comes in and says, hey, don't believe in God. You don't need God. And by the way, can I just tell you this? James is real strong to say, look, people that say they don't need God, and they are God, or look within yourself, the answer lies within yourself. Listen, if you always look within yourself, you're going to crash and burn. You know why? Because Jeremiah the prophet, you know what he said? Your heart is so desperately wicked, you don't even know your own heart. Well, I think my motives are pure. You don't always even know your own motives. You know you can deceive yourself? Do you know that? You know you can lie to yourself, and if you lie long enough to yourself, you'll believe your own lie? Come on. All right, Pastor B, move on. But James doesn't want us to move on because he says, number four, that worldly wisdom causes disorder. You'll see it in organization. You'll see it in churches. You'll see it in city government. You'll see it in national government. You'll see it in world government. That worldly wisdom causes disorder. Why? Again, verse 14. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Disorder and confusion are the results of worldly wisdom. Where everybody says, you know what I'm going to do? Secretly, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be number one. I'm going to take over. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to work with you. I'm not going to serve with you. This, there may not be an I in team, but there is a me in team. Look it up. It's there. Worldly wisdom tells you that you can be like God. You meet people all the time if you really ask them the hard question. Have you given your life to God? Have you given your life to God through Jesus Christ? Oh, I don't need God. I don't need that religious mumbo-jumbo stuff. But James says, yes, you do. Matter of fact, he says, number three, big number three, grow in godly, true wisdom my, my dear friend, uh, Wayne Cordero, says, uh, wisdom is not built in a day, but it's built daily. Every day, ask the hard question, God, what would you have me do here? What would be the wise thing to do in this decision? And especially if you're a leader, you've got to make decisions sometimes so quick. But you just pause long enough to say, God, be- before I make that decision, what would you have me do? How does, how does this decision, the answer I'm about to give, line up with Scripture? Lord, is there anybody I could call here? <laughs> remember that, uh, what was that show? Call Your Lifeline, what was that? Yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? Wasn't that Regis Philbin, the original one? Yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? And call your lifeline. And said, hey, and usually, do you remember the lifeline? Uh they're asking me about uh, pizza dough ingredients. Uh, I don't know. The lifeline sometimes didn't know. Like, uh, really? How unwise is that to have a lifeline that didn't know anything? You know what I mean? Anyway. The answer is flour. Anyway, it's okay. Yeah. But who could you call? That's why I think James says, hey, who's wise among you? I think we should mark people out that are wise. You know, I mentioned my friend my friend Wayne. Uh, he's one of the wisest leaders I know. People call him from all over the world, email him from all over the world, asking for input about different things—from church leadership to to uh, staff issues, to financial questions, to marketing, to raising horses, because uh, he he trains horses, you know, uh, farming. I mean, the guy's just like nuts. He knows so much about so much, and every once in a while. I'll call him, but every once in a while, he'll call me and ask me for my wisdom. I like fear and trepidation. The guy's just so stinking smart. I think he's just testing me. But him and I both believe in this verse, James 1.5. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Listen, don't get stuck in your same little wheel. Just stop and ask God. Because God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It will be given to you. There's a promise for us. In verse 17 and 18 of chapter 3, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all, let's read it, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the criteria for godly wisdom working through a life of, some, uh, of a person. It will be pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive. See, it, it doesn't try to stir things up, peace-loving. Considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. It's kind of like the fruit of the Spirit in, in Galatians, where we see it operating in our lives. See, godly wisdom is motivated by purity, it's not motivated by trying to say who is the wisest among you, who is so smart, but it's just a purity of God. The, the word, of course, comes from the word holiness. It's God working through the fabric of our life and raising our kids and in ordering our lives and raising uh, up other people and in investing in the next generation. Godly wisdom is characterized in our notes by peace and love. It's gentle. It's teachable. Good question. Are you? Are you teachable? If you ever get to the place where you say, got it down, know what I need to know, got it, got it, got it, got it down, Uh, you'll become stale and stagnant and stuck real soon. You've got to say, Lord, teach me. I want to keep learning. And then I want to have a life that's full of, of wisdom so it's full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense, impartial and sincere without hypocrisy, a heart that's set fully on following God. See, where worldly wisdom causes disorder, godly wisdom brings peace. And isn't it interesting, he says, you'll be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. You know what a peacekeeper is? It's where maybe you're on your way, and and if you're married, you understand this, or maybe you've got some friends, and you're on your way to to meet some people and somebody hits you in the leg and says, hey, what? Be a peacekeeper. What do you mean? Don't bring up, you fill in the blank. Don't bring up religion, politics. Don't, don't talk to Uncle Harry about his toupee. Be a peacekeeper. See? There's a difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. See, peacemakers don't avoid the conflict. Peacemakers don't avoid the elephant in the room. They're willing to talk about it with grace and love and truth and mercy and, let me add another word, and wisdom. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacekeepers. No. Blessed are the, come on, peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Peacemakers. (laughs) Think about someone that you have issues with. Think about someone that you struggle with. And notice what James 3.18 says. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. And here's our return. We reap a harvest of goodness. You want good stuff to come around you? Just go after making peace. People that are wise are people that will make peace. See, when you plant a seed, you always get back more than you start with. If you plant an apple seed, you'll get a whole tree. And if you do it just right, you'll get a whole orchard. Not just a couple apples, you get a whole orchard. It's the law of sowing and reaping. If you plant a seed of conflict, let me tell you, you'll end up with a lot more trouble than you bargained for. But the Bible says if you plant seeds of peace, you'll reap a harvest of peace and kindness and goodness will be your return. So, let's pursue wisdom. We don't have enough time or body parts for experience. Let's learn from other people. There are some great stories in this book, the BIBLE, where we can learn from the wisdom of others. We can see people who crash and burn. We can see people who, oh, I'm going to be like God. Oh, we're going to raise a tower and, and, and get to God. We can read stories of people who followed hard after God, in overwhelming odds, in the middle of overwhelming fatigue. We can learn from their experiences which cause wisdom to happen in our hearts. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.